Welcome to Off the Bench with Danny Cannell. Danny Cannell. Back to throw versus Dennis. Beats his tight end. And Raja Bell. Bell has done three and three. 22 to Raja. Saw the future of football right before your eyes. Just yell it out, man. He can't guard me. I love Jimmy, man. Uh, him being around, his energy. He's a good person. His energy is amazing um, for me. I can do anyone, so I can adjust to anything. I can adapt to any situation, so I'm cool with it. All right, well, it would have been really nice if we could have heard what Jeff Teague was saying in the highlight, but I think the gist of it is Jimmy Butler dropped back in camp yesterday. He's been requested to be traded. Uh, they've been trying to work out deals. The asking price is kind of high. Tibbs is saying he wants to keep him. Glenn Taylor, the owner, saying he doesn't want him here. Um, they didn't get anything worked out, so he gets dropped back in yesterday, and the fuse was lit. Fireworks off. Let me ask you this. How did we get to this point? Before we get into what happened yesterday, how did we get to this point with Jimmy Butler and the Minnesota Timberwolves? Uh, I think, if I'm being honest, you had a coach and a general manager, same person. Um, interest all intertwined, conflict there. One trying to do what's best for his job and trying to win now. Um, and the job, that the other title that he's wearing, it's, it, it's your job to kind of steer the franchise in the right direction going forward, even if that means what what's right for us right now yeah. isn't winning, right? And so those lines were blurred. I've, I've never bought into a, a coach doing both. Uh, and so you forced a deal for Jimmy Butler. You gave up quite a bit to get him, and you weren't guaranteed that he was going to stay with you. So you put yourself in the position that you're in now where you really have no leverage. Jimmy doesn't want to be there because he's seen the culture with some of the younger guys isn't really aligned with his. Um and and people aren't trying to give up the farm to get him because he'll be an unrestricted free agent next summer. When you say that, what is Jimmy Butler trying to get out of this? You, you say he's not aligned with a guy like Andrew Wiggins or a Car Anthony Towns. What, what does that mean? Uh, well, Jim, Jimmy's like an old school like mentality, right? Come in, go to work, work hard. Tibbs Tibbs raised him. Um, those Chicago Bulls teams with with Derrick Rose and Taj Gibson and Joakim Noah, and there's a level of work that you must put in every day to kind of check the box, right? Like you come in, you punch a card, and yeah. you leave. These younger guys, they don't subscribe to that same kind of work ethic. You know, it's a little more, not that they don't work hard, but they work different, Yeah. you know? And sometimes for older guys, like optically, that doesn't sit well with us. And I think Jimmy kind of is in that mode. Now, they can win, but it's not winning the way Jimmy believes winning has to take place, right? And prepping to win like that, so... So the Timberwolves have not been able to move Jimmy Butler at this point. Time, right. right? And, and we kind of look at some of the tea leaves, at least what we're getting from all the reports, the, the sources, um, which, you know, again, outsider looking into the NBA, you've got that inside perspective. I read things like this, and I'm skeptical, okay? A lot of Minnesota players left Timberwolves practice today energized by Butler's performance, mesmerized Correct. with him taking end-of-the-bench players and running the table on regulars, sources said. Okay, when I hear the word mesmerized, yeah. I don't know what sources would be. It's either This is either a setup or you've got someone else who's already kind of choreographed and scripted this to happen and then to leak out to maybe draw some more interest into Jimmy Butler. Am I so, wrong in that assumption? So what you're saying is that... There's a major media outlet who's in cahoots with Jimmy Butler or the Timberwolves. Like who's, not, whose end goal is trying to be achieved by the? I'm not saying the, that the media outlet is in cahoots. Yeah, I think any media outlet, if, if someone gave you, you're taking that, right? Of course. Okay, and you're going to report it, and you're going to give the exclusive. So Jimmy Butler's camp or Minnesota's camp? Like who does? Maybe they're working together. If if, if neither feels like there's going to be a long term future, there's together, no traction, and they can't move him, right? Why not play up this whole scenario where he comes back, he looks great, he energizes players, he mesmerizes people. I just, 
How many times have you heard an athlete use mesmerize in your entire life? <laughs> never, zero. Never, yeah. Zero. Correct, correct, no correct. one says that. So, so this to me sounds scripted. It sounds like a story that was too good to be true. And maybe, maybe it's for the fact that they want to both reach the agreement that would be, be you know, best for both it's parties. It's mutually beneficial yeah. at that point. Uh, I, all right. So the mesmerized word, although I understand what you're saying. If that was a direct quote, I would be like, yes, you did and not. This all, this all came out 30 minutes after the practice. Now that's, like was, that's was a red all, flag, right? Yeah. Like that there was, I would think though that you'd have a whole bunch of coverage for Jimmy's first practice back, right? Because people know that Jimmy's coming back. Um, so I would imagine you'd have a whole lot of people in the gym anyway. Being a player who's been disgruntled in situations before, like I can remember being in San Antonio, right? Yeah. Scott Layden, uh, actually it's weird. Scott Layden is the, is, is the acting, I, I guess, uh, I don't know if he's a general manager, but he was the one that apparently Jimmy Butler was yelling at in Minnesota. Yeah. Now Scott was on our, what is it? Utah Jazz team. They weren't playing me down the stretch. We played San Antonio in the playoffs. So I'm out before the game in San Antonio, absolutely like lighting the nets. I've ripped the net off the rim. Like that's how many shots I'm making in this thing. And so as a competitor, I'm screaming in warmups, just me on the court. You could use some of this jumper. Like we haven't hit a three in like four games, right? Yeah. And I'm screaming it, but I, I, I'm a competitor. So I guess what I'm saying is I could envision a scenario that was organic where Jimmy comes back. Um, he feels like he's been slighted. They've been beefing through Instagram and Twitter and all of this kind of stuff. And he hits the court. He's playing with the threes or in the twos because you, you don't have him with your starters now. And this just kind of organically comes like pouring out of him. And you're yelling at everybody in the gym like, y'all got me messed up. So I hear you, but I'm not as quick to call conspiracy, okay, I guess. But my thing is I don't think that any of that can, it, it is untrue. Right. I think all of that can be true. But then the way that information kind of makes its way to the masses, that can be where this was a little bit scripted. Like, hey, this this actually could be something where we could flip it and make it a good thing for our team and organization to sell to some other teams out there since we don't think this is going to work moving forward. Well, I think more now than ever, um, media, front offices, and generally like players' camps yeah. um, work together. You know, like I, that's what I saw with my time in Cleveland in the front offices. Like you're feeding, if you're my guy, like if I'm feeding you, yeah. you know what I mean? I want the narrative out there. Like if I'm representing Kyrie, let's say like I'm feeding you this information for you to, you know, Quinn bomb or whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? I need my <laughs> narrative out there. So I, that's not surprising to me, right? Because yeah. this happens way more in the NBA than really any other league. Like you get a guy, you align with a guy like Woj or Shams or or Mark Stein. Mark Stein was my guy. Rick Buecher. Like all of these names are people that you'll have in your your phone. And when you it's, need it's something crazy, to get out there, you, you get it out there. And it and it kind of shapes the way. Um, do you ma- do you imagine Jimmy Butler stays? Do you imagine they get a deal done for him at this point? Yeah, I think they'll get a deal done eventually. That's kind of my thought. Although we brought something up before the show, and I asked you this because you said, "Hey, look, it's not like the NFL where some of those top line players they're going to hold out, right? Right? Um, you know, Le'Veon Bell. This isn't a holdout scenario with the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? He hasn't signed his franchise tag. He's got some other reasons, but people kind of throw it under that umbrella of a holdout. And you said, "Yeah, they just don't do that in the NBA. Why? I yeah, I don't know." Because you've been on I, both sides of this, so I'm kind of curious to get the sense of from like a, from a player's perspective and being in the front office. I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. I think it's unprecedented. I don't I don't believe that anyone's like said, "Look, I'm just not." I did. <laughs> what are you talking about? I did. Um, yeah, I had a contract with, but we 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 were in a. Yeah, I did. I did. Now I'm trying to get through this. Um, I I didn't report to Utah, but.
but it was mutually agreed upon, right? Like we had had right. a situation and they were like, look, man, if you're going to come back, we don't want you telling the media exactly how this went down. And I was like, look, if I come back, I'm being as forthright as I always am. But I, I don't know why. And I wonder if it's one of those things, Brady, that like just no one's ever done it. So no one thinks it can be done. Yeah. I don't know. The problem with the Minnesota situation now is you, you've really painted yourself into a corner in that you, you, you've had deals on the table. You didn't think they were good enough. And again, this is Tibbs, right? Tibbs is trying to save face a little bit. Can you yeah. give up a bunch to get Jimmy Butler? And now you've got to get off of Jimmy Butler and no one's giving you the same return. And you're facing the prospect again of him walking at the end of the season and you losing everything. So while getting two isn't the original four that you gave up for him, it's better than the zero that you're going to wind up getting right at the end of the deal. So you've got to make a deal. You've got to be willing to play ball. It doesn't seem Tibbs is, is willing to do that. I get that. I actually think, though, um, as long as it's before the season or I guess maybe even early in the season. It starts I'll, next week. Right. But but my thought is I always feel like even though – and you will probably say that's a little bit different, but you kind of know what you have in a team maybe. But then when you get to preseason probably, you're starting to get a little bit better idea once you get in those, those game scenarios. Maybe you've played enough in the, in the, in the offseason that – you already know what you got, and you don't really need to see a bunch in the preseason or early early on in the regular season. That was my only thought. So it is: is there anything to the sense that you know some teams are looking around saying, "All right, like we, we thought we were going to be good going into the preseason. We're not flowing. We're not working the way we think we are." Or maybe early in the regular season, things didn't get off to a good start. We need a guy like Jimmy Butler. Maybe that's where the yeah. leverage comes back to Minnesota. Yeah, could be. Uh, the problem and the only hiccup in that is like Jimmy's say, and NBA players have a lot of power in that. You know, they can kind of dictate where they want to go because they'll tell you, if you trade for me, I'm not signing with you, right? And so now you're giving up, you know, a first round draft pick and multiple assets to get Jimmy Butler, you know, essentially on a rental because he's not, he's not going to resign with you. So. But would you think that the, the team would already have that orchestrated out? Right. It's like to your point, like if, if someone came to you like, Hey, we're thinking about trading you to whatever team and Jimmy Butler's camp would say, uh, yeah, well, I'm not going to sign that then. So yes. the deal doesn't go through. Correct. That's behind the scenes. So, but, but I mean, even if you identified like in the, in, like in preseason, that your team was missing a Jimmy Butler, um, would it be worth it to get? There would only be a handful of teams that would be vying for a championship that year yeah. that might be willing to make that deal. Anybody else, why give up your young assets to get Jimmy Jimmy Butler and it's Ooh. not getting you over the hump? Like I say that for the Heat. My thing with the Heat is – yeah. Look, well, I, I heard that. I heard the Heat maybe one of the teams would be looking at. No, the, he wants to come to the yeah. Heat. And, and, yeah, he's a great piece for the Heat. But what I would say to the Heat is – there's no pressure, dude. He's not getting you over any hump this year. Yeah. It's not getting, it's not getting you an Eastern Conference Championship. You still got the Celtics. You got the, you know, Sixers. you got the Sixers, you Toronto, Milwaukee. Like they're still viable teams yeah. in the East. And so don't give up like the young pieces that you like to get Jimmy Butler when you could, you could get him for free this Absolutely. summer. Like it, it's not moving the needle enough for you. So there are a lot of teams that are going to fall into that category, you know, for me. That makes uh, sense. But anyway, let's keep, let's move it. Let's move to another, uh, Kind of tumultuous situation in Dallas, right? <laughs> you know, cause you've had now Alan Hearns is coming out and he's been critical of the play calling. Yeah. Um, obviously not the success level that they've expected. They did lose Jason Witten, um, and, um, uh, and Dez. Dak Prescott not necessarily taking the steps that you may want to see from a young quarterback. What is going on in Dallas? I think the toughest thing about what's going on in Dallas is, um, you know, they, they need to make a decision on Dak Prescott and it hasn't looked good. But you set him up to fail. Right. You you really didn't come into the season with a number one wide receiver. At best, maybe a number two, depending on how you look at this roster. Uh, it's it's ironic that Alan Hearns is calling out the play calling because when he did catch a touchdown pass last week, 
Um, but but he's been one of the additions in the offseason. And it's not like he's separating a bunch. I mean, when you look at this group of wide receivers, there's no one who stands out on film as being able to separate and actually help Dak out. He's got to throw these guys open. He's got to extend time in the pocket and make plays so these guys have more time to get open. I mean, and think about this. Look at Cole Beasley, Jeff Swain, Ezekiel Elliott. All those guys, they're right around that triangle in the middle of the field. Right. And and that's something that I think I noticed early on in, da- in Dak's career as a rookie when everyone was praising him. You know, you're looking at it a little bit with side eye only because you're looking at a rookie quarterback who's just taking advantage of the easy throws in front of him, which every quarterback does that. And so at some point you're looking for that next step, that, that next piece of, of growth. And I don't know that it's ever came, but it's also hard to make that uh, comment knowing that they didn't have Ezekiel Elliott for six games last year. They, they, you know, Tyron Smith was hurt and injured and all of a sudden protection became, uh, extremely difficult over that, you know, six game period. Cause I think Tyron Smith missed about three of those games. Right. Um, and, and then you look at this year, what they were coming in with. They had a rookie left guard. Their center goes down with, with a, a tragic disease. So now you've got the interior of the pocket that that's not been as good as we thought. And now the entire offensive line is not as good as you thought. So all this basically amounts to, the Cowboys trying to make a decision long-term on Dak Prescott. And I don't know that you can really make um, an accurate assessment of what he is as a quarterback based on all that. Right. So, th- All right. Glad you said that because this is my question. There was a situation in in uh, Cleveland where we had um, David Blatt. And LeBron and the guys really didn't love David Blatt. And I had to have a conversation with LeBron about, like, listen, I need or we need you guys to play and put forth maximum effort for David. Only at that point can we make an assessment yeah. for David and whether he's the guy going forward. But if we don't play for him, then we can't see whether his X's and O's are good enough. So I guess my question for you is, is do we need to put more around Dak? Like, does there need to be – like, Scott Linehan's doing the play calling, right? Yeah. Is it fair to Dak and the organization to be able to make an assessment on Dak by with what he's given? Or does he need more around him, better play calling, and and then you can say, all right, Dak is not the guy, or Dak is the guy. Or do you already know, you as a talent evaluator, like Dak's got a really, really low ceiling and they need to go looking again? I don't think he's got a low ceiling. I think I'd, I'd phrase it more as he's got a high floor. Okay. I don't I don't know how high his ceiling is. Right, 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 right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I think he can win you a bunch of ball games. He's proven that. But he does need to have the pieces that are around him. And by the way, that's it's no disrespect to Dak. That that's a lot of quarterbacks sure. in the NFL. I think there's probably you know only five or so that you say yeah it doesn't matter who you put in there with him he's going to put up a bunch of numbers. I mean Drew Brees that we just saw break the all time right. passing um you know number for Peyton Manning he's one of them. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, but you know look at Jared Goff for example. Okay, everyone kind of points that out because you know he was the first overall pick. He didn't look good at all in his rookie season. Uh, under head coach Jeff Fisher, then they bring in Sean McVay, and it's like, oh, they, they, it's, it's Sean McVay. They bring in this bright offensive mind, and people attribute it to that. What they don't realize is they brought in Andrew Whitworth at left tackle. They brought in John Sullivan at center. That helps solidify the offensive line, which not only made Jared Goff better because the pass pro, but also also made Todd Gurley better because he actually had some running lanes. Then they bring in a guy like Brandon Cooks. They draft Cooper Cup. They basically surround him with so much talent. Sure, it would be hard to fail. If he executes what Sean McVay is asking him to do, it's hard for him to fail. Now, don't get me wrong. He's made some incredible throws. Right. I think their Thursday night game against Minnesota was, was an example of that, just absolutely dropping dimes. And he's grown and gotten better as a competitor. But that's an example of the standard in the NFC right now, the L.A. Rams. Right. And that's what Dallas has not done. So the, the hard part about this is, you know, Jared Goff, 
has a four-year contract with with a one-year option, right? So it's really a, a, on the team side. So it's a five-year deal. You don't have that with Dak Prescott. He was a fourth-round pick. Yeah, you got to make. So a they may up. have to either make a decision after this year, where maybe they offer him a contract that's not quite up to the standard of what Dak thinks he's worth or his representation thinks he's worth, and they might have to go the route of using the franchise tag. Do you, Jerry Jones? Seems to like familiarity. Like if that's, I mean, Jerry Jones likes to control, right? Like he's at the mic. Jerry is the Cowboys. But when I'm looking at Jason Garrett, I know that's his guy. Yeah. Um, 69 and 56 as the head coach. At what point do you have to bring in fresh blood? You alluded to like Sean McVay coming in and, and, or, or is he the guy and he just needs to take back the reins in terms of play calling and stuff like that? Does he need more control or is it time for a fresh face, um, on the sidelines? I think it could be both, and I think the step you take before, if you're Jerry Jones, before you um, dismiss Jason Garrett is you say, hey, why don't you put it on you? You know, if, if this ship's going to go down and you're going to go down with it, then you may do what you're best known for, and that's calling plays and being a part of this offense, if need be. Now, you know, usually that ends up never being a good sign, and it doesn't always end up working out because if you've already got in your mind as an owner or general manager that you're going to fire the guy, yeah. you're probably going to end up firing him. Now, one hot name, and this is where, not to speculate, I'm, I don't have any information that this is 100% accurate or true, but the name that I keep hearing, mm-hmm. that if that job became open in Dallas, and because of how Jerry Jones feels about Dak, where I, I know he's kind of lukewarm now, but he's been you know, very positive about him. Yeah, supported him a lot. Lincoln Riley. Yeah. Oklahoma's head coach, and, and he's the guy where you look at, again, the standard in the NFC right now with Sean McVay. People are all of a sudden starting to say maybe Lincoln Riley would be that match for a guy like Dak Prescott in Dallas, and it'd be hard to turn down that offer if you're Lincoln Riley. Yeah, kind of keeping up with the Joneses there with the offense. That's good stuff, brother. Let's get intended, right? Yeah, all right. Let's get to a break real quick, man. We got Lonzo who made his preseason debut uh, with the Lakers. Emery Hunt's going to move the line with us a little bit. We'll talk some college football. All of that up next on Off the Bench with Canell and Bell. Um, anyway, we teased it. We had Lonzo back last night. All, like Everybody wanted to know what Lonzo and LeBron were going to look like together. Uh, why such a fascination with Lonzo and LeBron? I have no idea because there's so many other really good players, the Kyle Kuzma's, the KCP's, the Brandon Ingram's. Social media, come on, man. Like, like, like Lonzo Ball and his family, what his dad has done with his boys. I guess. I, I think it's unique. Like I'm not going to lie to you. I don't watch... Any sort of trashy television, mm-hmm. but I follow the Ball family. I, I, I can't help it. Uh, you can't I, say I don't watch any kind of trashy television uh, and then say I follow the Ball family. I, I admit that from time to time I'll check out. I think it's on Facebook, whatever their little show is. I, I don't know why. I'm just fascinated with right. what this father has, has chosen to do with his sons. Yeah. And I want to see how it how it plays out. So I'm kind of keeping tabs on the Ball family. I think what he's done from like an entrepreneurial standpoint, right? It, it's courageous kind of, Right? I mean, I agree. Now, it may have ruined his son's lives. <laughs> but I agree though. I do agree. So, so anyway, I'm kind of infatuated with the ball family. And then obviously, look, I'm the same class as LeBron. We're both from the state of Ohio. Yeah. I was trying to recruit him to come play in the U.S. Army All-American game in high school. And he was like, uh, no, bro. Yeah, like, I was no, like, no, I'm going to be in the NBA, uh, here coming up soon. So I've followed LeBron his entire career. Right. When I first bought a place down here, it just so happened that he, he ended up moving to the Miami Heat. Yeah. So I got to kind of follow him throughout. So that's why, I, I'm just fascinated to see how these two parts are going to mix. And only because you've been around LeBron 
and you kind of know how he operates, and I don't know how he's going to handle LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball and yeah. everything that comes with it from that West Coast L.A. side. I, I did have my reservations about how that dynamic would work. But in terms of on the court, like I just think that Lonzo's not really in a category yet where we need to worry about how he's going to fit with LeBron. The answer to that is fit in however you can. Yeah, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, LeBron, like <laughs> LeBron is LeBron, and you, the rest of it, you, you all figure out. Um, and and I think the kid is a good enough player. See, what gets lost with with Lonzo and the dad and all of this stuff going on is that like there is the kid is a really good grounded basketball player. Yeah. Like, you know, he may be into like you know driving, riding Ferraris and doing rap videos off the court, but on the court, he's got a really good <laughs> grasp of who he is as a player and how he fits in to different situations. Like, and, and so I don't have any reservations at all about dropping him in whether he starts or comes off the bench and that's been another big uh a source of uh, uh, of like speculation I, I don't care i think he's a really good basketball player i think they got a lot of them in la what do you think what do you think uh well, I, what do you think we should expect in la this year when when wins and loss totals you got like what so so that, that's an interesting question because i think there's some people who believe that the, the Lakers team can ultimately contend with Golden State right away because LeBron's there. Mm-hmm. Like, like anyone who watched LeBron throughout the course of his career in the East, you're like, okay, it's a given. He's going to get to the finals. He's going to get through the East because right. LeBron James. Different story in the West. West right? is a different animal. And the other thing I think that, that people tend to, to not appreciate enough is, you know, the regular season now. Like he's got to play those games. He can't sit out as much as he did in the True. past in the East because it really didn't matter what seed they had. They were going to get through anyway. Yeah. Now in the West, that matters. And, I think the expectation for probably some Lakers fans, and maybe I'm wrong in this assumption because they're such a storied franchise. Now that they have LeBron, I, I think they ultimately look at, all right, like now we got to get to the Western Conference Finals. If we don't, kind of a disappointing year, even though the West is so difficult. I, I think realistically, though, if yeah. they get through the first round, that'd probably be a win with this team. Yeah, I agree. I think, I, I first of all, as a number, uh, and I think you hit a lot of interesting points, right? And I don't know if you've LeBron's camp really factored in how hard it's going to be to navigate that West and what that means to his nights off, right? Like, where, do you, where do you put them in as far as the West, though? Uh, I, I think the third best team, fourth best. I mean, legitimately, I, I think they could vie for the fourth, the fourth spot this year. So, I, so I, obviously, Golden State, Houston. I, I got Golden State and Houston, and I do think that they could contend for three. I just with what OK, OKC? I do, yeah, with OKC, um, San Antonio. That meant. even the Jazz. Now, San Antonio, they just lost their point guard, Dejounte yeah. Murray's hurt. Um, I think they lost another guard, if I'm not mistaken. It's pop so, though, man, it's like. So I pencil them in like eight. I think I think they could sneak in at eight. You still got Demar Derozan and, and those guys, maybe seven. But you've got you've got teams like um, you know Portland sneaky good. Yeah. Um, Utah Jazz took Utah. They, they were great. Donovan Mitchell and, and and those guys are really good. Um, th- there's some real quality in the West, and so LeBron's not going to have the same amount of time to take that to take that night off here and there because one game could literally cost you you know a spot in the playoffs in the West because it'll be jumbled up. I think they're a 51 team. Like I I, I think that. You know, you're talking about 50 plus wins for a team. I, I see that roster and I don't see the problems like everybody else does. I think LeBron fixes a lot of those problems in terms of personality. His camp and the culture that they drive is so strong. I watched it in Cleveland. A lot of that stuff goes away. Now it takes a, an element of submission, but when you've got guys on a one year deal, guys that are playing for their very, very literal future in the NBA, yeah. you're going to get the best version of that guy. You know, cause guys, what guys don't want to do is give up that, that five million dollars or four million dollars, like whatever that is, to to a Lance Stevenson or to a Javale McGee, and it's a lot of one year deals too on the Lakers team. It's a lot of for for those guys that you may think there's going to be a problem with, they're all on one year deals, right? All of those guys who are personality issues, 
uh, those are one-year deals. So you're getting the best versions of them. Um, and so I think they could be really good. And I think in two years, you've got to be talking about you plugging in an Anthony Davis or maybe another number one. You're talking about trying to knock off Golden State. Okay, so then outsiders' uh, opinion of looking at LeBron and Lonzo playing together, right? Like when Lonzo was drafted there, I think the one thing that people saw from his time at UCLA and just the highlights early on is his ability to distribute, yep. right? He's strong going to the rim. Not a good shooter. I mean, he was actually, I think, the worst shooter last year from the three-point line, uncontested, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, 29%. So then I sit there and I, and I watch LeBron play, and then as he's gotten older, he wants the ball in his hand more, right? Like, he likes to distribute. He likes sure. to kind of run point at times. And then that's where I'm curious, like, how this is going to work. Now, I know I, I know Lonzo's working with the second team, so that's really not an issue at this right. point. But eventually, he's going to be the starting point guard. Eventually. I, yes. I don't know when that is, but... So how's that going to work when they're both on the floor at the same time? Well, I think Le- LeBron's got to be willing to hand that over to Lonzo to some degree. That can also save some of that tread on LeBron's tires. Yeah. Don't play make every play. Like, let's find you some opportunities. And this is where coaching comes in. And people kind of laughed at me when I said Luke Walton for coach of the year. But if he can figure that out, if he can figure out how to say to LeBron, listen, I know you want the ball, but let us get it to you down here. Just make your same plays, but make them from down there. Don't handle it all the way up the court. Just get out and transition and run. That solves both problems. Lonzo's on the ball. LeBron can still be the ultimate. How hard is that going to be, though, for Luke Walton? Oh, super hard. Uh, Because Luke, you know, Luke's not that far removed from playing. He plays against. I know. But if they can figure that out, and that is the answer, right? Because you got a guy like Rondo, too. Like, even in the starting lineup, Rondo's a guy who needs the ball. Um, and so they've all got to be willing to take a little bit of step back. And LeBron's got to be willing to kind of evolve like Michael Jordan did, um, like Kobe did, like all of these guys do as they get a little longer in the tooth is you have to evolve into a different kind of player. You don't have to change ultimately who you are. Yeah. You've just got to become more efficient, which LeBron has done. Yeah. And then you got to be willing to allow someone to help you provided you trust their ability to do that. Um, and so that's what I think, you know, you see with the Lakers this year. Do you, do you read in anything at all to the, the Lakers winning the preseason? And the only thing I can no. relate to this is this. Okay. This is the only thing I'll say is, so I was with the Seattle Seahawks in 2013, okay? And we happened to play the Denver Broncos at that point in time in preseason. And, I, you know, I, I hadn't really been around Pete Carroll uh, besides playing against him in, in college. And, and, like, once I got to the Seattle Seahawks, I got it. Like, I completely understood why they were so successful because every single day it was a competition. Right. It was like it was a championship. And guys were scratching and clawing just to make that roster. And then when you got into preseason – Man, he didn't look at that as the preseason. Right. He looked at that as a game and an opportunity to compete and an opportunity for everyone to prove themselves and kick someone's ass, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. And, and so what happened was we ended up playing the Denver Broncos in preseason, right? And we physically beat the crap out of them. Like, we didn't take our foot off the gas. Right. We beat them. His, his whole thing was, look, it's not our job to make sure that they're prepared to play and be competitive. Agreed. So, and, and if you kind of watch how that season turned out, right? Seattle Seahawks took on the Denver Broncos in the Super Bowl. And I just wonder if like somewhere subconsciously could be that was playing back in the back of their minds. I know it's preseason. People don't think that very much, but the starters played a good amount in that game. I always subscribe to, well, first of all, Golden State, I don't think it took it as serious as the Lakers did. Right. I mean, Kevin Grant fouled out in the third quarter, but if you have a chance to beat somebody versus lose to them, beat them. Like, like seriously, for just plant the subconscious seed. Like if I, why would I lay down and take this loss just because it's preseason? I'm going to beat you every chance I get. I don't want you ever thinking that you can beat me. Exactly. And and there's the thing I I never understand. Like the the commoners always like, oh, well, come on. It's preseason. It doesn't matter. I'm like, you're at the top, the best of the best. 
you get whatever little edge you can get, Absolutely. whether it's psychological, physical, whatever it is. That's how thin the margins are. So that's why I feel like anytime you can, you win. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Uh, we got to go to another break. When we come back, we are going to try to have Emery. I know I, yeah. we're going to try to get him on, uh, see if Wait, we can move the money? line a little bit. Yeah, we got. I need my pockets fattened up a little bit. That's all up next uh, on Off the Bench with Canelo Bell. All right, baby, let's move the line. Yeah. Um, Emery Hunt is back with us again this week. Uh, he's a sports line expert, former college running back, founder, and an- analyst at Football Game Plan. You can follow him on Twitter, at FBall Game Plan. Um, let's get right to it, Emery. Welcome back, brother. I like the shirt. Appreciate well done, that. Emery. Thank- Glad to be here. <laughs> Emery, you were 2-3 and three last week. All right, We need a bigger week out of you this week, all right, for all our listeners. Um, let's start off, though, with your first pick of the week. You got Florida at Vandy, and you like the Gators in this matchup coming off their big win versus LSU last week? As we all know, confidence is a fragile thing, and if you have it in, in football or sports in general, you're going to be just fine. I think with the way they knocked off LSU last week, that's going to carry them forward against Vanderbilt. So I would lay all the points in Florida in this ballgame. Um, let's move to like one that's near and dear to my heart, the FIU Golden Panthers, Emory. They got Middle Tennessee State. Um, FIU's only got one loss against the spread this year. Uh, you've got them to, co- to cover, minus two? Yeah, I like the fighting Rajah Bell's defense here. <laughs> <laughs> Golden Panthers, uh, being able to play defense. Now, Middle Tennessee is a really good football team. A lot of seniors return to the squad and their defense is excellent. But when you look at their offense, they can be a bit inconsistent. They're going to run, run up against a really good Panther defense, I think they go ahead on and cover this ball game. Nice. Uh, your last one, you've got Army at San Jose State. Emory, you've liked Army a couple times this year. Kind of a military school, that underdog approach. Uh, but they're an, over a two-touchdown favorite. You're good with that? I'm very good with that because only certain defenses can match up against opposite offenses. You, you look at disciplined defenses, maybe a Kansas State. Uh, maybe a team like San Diego State, but San Jose State, absolutely not. So lay all the points with Army. All right, let's move to the NFL, Emory. You got the Bears and the Dolphins. Uh, the Bears are coming down this way, probably one o'clock game in the sun. The Dolphins, though, are 07 and 1 against the spread, their last eight home games following consecutive road games. And you're going with the Bears in this one. Yeah, because the Bears are one coming off of the bye. They're a much better football team on offense, in my opinion, than Miami and defensively. I think they're going to get after Ryan Tannehill a lot this ball game. Oh no, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> this this is no, no, this is a trap. I think for you, Emery. I don't know, man. Bears coming off that bye. I'm not sure if they'll be able to continue that momentum. And and like the the secondary for the Dolphins has been playing well this year. Tampa Bay, different story when we saw Mitchell Trubisky throw those six touchdown passes. So I'm a little suspect on that. Give me the home team. Yeah. Give me the three points as well. I'm going against you on that one, Emery. We'll see how it plays out next week. Then you've got Thursday night football, though. You've got the Philadelphia Eagles going on the road to take the Giants. And you like Philly, even though we haven't seen a road team win yet th- this year or cover. Yeah, the reason why I like Philly in this one is the defense against that Giants offense and the fact that the matter they can get pressure on a quarterback. Eli Manning has been a bit skittish. I know last week was outstanding for that offense. But to me, that's the anomaly. What we've seen over the course of the season and a little bit of last year is that his pocket presence is lacking so you look at Carson Wentz playing a lot better as each game moves forward I think the Eagles can win this one closely 
Okay, there you have it, Emery. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks for joining us, man. We gotta get you a FIU shirt for next week. I'll have it FedExed over, brother. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, so look, you touched on something I thought was interesting because obviously we live down here in South Florida and I hear like local media talk a lot about Ryan Tannehill yeah. and his progression. And so it was interesting that you picked against him because I figure with a dude who struggled. Oh, no, no, no. I picked with, I, I picked with the Dolphins. You picked, no, against yeah. Emery, I mean, oh, cause right. he took the Bears, right? It would seem to me that, like, if Ryan gets pressured, that's like kryptonite. I mean, I know it's for every quarterback, but specifically Ryan, who seems to struggle with his pocket, you know, awareness. He sometimes. doesn't, it seems like he doesn't have great pocket awareness. That was pretty evident last week versus Cincinnati when he had two fourth quarter pick sixes. Um, yeah. That, that became pretty evident. What, what was more evident though was the fact that they were banged up on their offensive line. Okay. Laramie Tunsil was out. They brought in a backup. Didn't work out so well. And, and Tunsil should be back for this game. So that should help with a little bit with the protection. But it's also the fact that that doesn't happen very often. Right. You know, like, when you're a quarterback or any professional athlete, you make those, that sort of mistake, guess what you do next time? You fix it. Right. Like, he's getting paid well enough, he's smart enough, where he's not going to make that same mistake twice. And even though you could probably make the case that the Bears have a better pass rush because of Cleo Mack, I, I just look at the X factor in that game being this. Dow Loggins is the offensive coordinator now for the Miami Dolphins. He was there in Chicago last year with Mitchell Trubisky. Okay. He's going to have a lot of things that Trubisky doesn't like. I'm sure he's sharing that with Matt Burke, their defensive coordinator. I think the Dolphins are a better team than what they've been the past two weeks. Like, right. look at that loss and, you know, it was back to back road games and it was a tough place and, and things kind of worked against them. I just, I think even if they don't win, I think they can keep it close. I mean, you're giving them three points. So it's yeah. kind of easy. All right. Interesting. All right. So we got Will Brinson joining us right now. He's a CBS Sports senior NFL writer. He's the host of this Pick Six yeah, podcast, uh, which is released each morning. You can follow him on Twitter at Will Brinson. Uh, Will, let's get right into it, buddy. We got Thursday night football. You got the Giants and the Eagles, uh, competing for what seems to be, uh, a, a, like a, it's a very almost like an elimination luster. game hey, in the yeah. NFC East uh, division title race. Yeah, I mean, I would start off by just talking about this in regards to Odell Beckham and everything. I think we all know the drama that's going on, but you can kind of fix that with a win, and especially in a short week. I'm more curious to get the sense of how you feel like Saquon Barkley has done this year. He's had over 100 scrim yards in each of their games. But, it, you know, that that's the big decision that they made with the number two overall pick where he could have been a quarterback. They decided to draft Saquon Barkley. How do you feel like that's worked out so far this year? Well, I think it's worked out exactly as you thought it might. In other words, they got a really talented, incredible player in Saquon Barkley who's capable of putting up, you know, 100 scrimmage yards in, in four or five straight games, but not good enough to completely flip the team. Like, you can't spend a second overall pick on – a running back and expect him to completely change your franchise if you don't have the other pieces in place. Like it's a, it's a luxury pick to take a running back at number two overall. And the Giants don't have the option of having luxury picks because they've screwed up other stuff. I mean, I, I get that they went out and got Nate Solder. They drafted Will Hernandez. That was a nice pick in the second round. But I mean, these, you know, these guys aren't going to come in and magically, you know, turn this into, you know, some dynastic offensive line. Eli Manning's a, a 37 year old quarterback. I mean, they, they have, a lot of other problems. The linebacking group isn't great. Uh, the secondary has been okay. The defensive line hasn't been as advertised. There are other spots that they could have invested in outside of running back who you can get in the second, third, fourth round and still get that, that good production. Uh, they should have gone that route and picked up the, not to mention the quarterbacks that were available to them at number two overall. I get that they're going to have a high pick again this year, but I don't know how we slot, you know, guys like Will Greer, Ryan Finley, uh, Jared Stidham amongst 
you know, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, and all those guys. Yeah, not as favorably. I want to go back to our, our initial conversation about Odo Beckham only because we couldn't hear you quite as well. Just if you could try to summarize, like, basically your point on Odell, how the, you know, off the field drama, if you will, um, has been impacting this team, the culture in the locker room, in, in your opinion. Uh, cause I, I know you mentioned something about, you know, money not changing people, him getting that contract before. I was able to hear some of that. And you would know, cause, you know, money hasn't changed you. You got your salmon shorts on still. <laughs> you've, you've been able to main, maintain your preppiness through all of this. Yeah. I mean, well, I was just saying, I guess I, the producer must have bleeped me out. They didn't want you to, you know, hear me pointing out that you, Brady, used to do sit downs with modern rap stars all the time. When you, you know, <laughs> this is you, true. <laughs> if you weren't happy with what was happening with your offensive coordinator, you would just grab the, the biggest hip hop name out there and sit, do a sit down. TV In sit Cleveland, down. it was Bone Thugs, you know, cause they were around a decent amount. Yeah. That are <laughs> Kid Cuddy. Bone <laughs> Thugs not get enough credit for how, for how good they are. Like, like Bone Thugs should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, along with how is Snoop Dogg not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? By the way, I mean, what are we? Good point. What are we doing here, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Uh, no, I mean, I think that <laughs> Odell is Odell is acting like a classic diva wide receiver, right? I mean, this is like if 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 this was you know Terrell Owens did sit ups in his driveway in 2018, he would do a sit down with Josina Anderson and Little Wayne. I, I, I mean, if you thought that Odell Beckham was going to become a completely different person than just this mature locker room guy. Who, you know, was, I mean, like, because you gave him a bunch of money and he was quiet for six months and that's your fault for trusting Odell Beckham to do that. I will say, let's give him credit. He, he did go stop Sterling Shepard from hurting a kicking net. So that's, that's impressive. <laughs> let's, hey, let's move on to the other side of the ball, man. Let's talk about the Eagles a little bit because you've got Carson Wentz back. Um, he, look, he's been decent since he's been back. What's been the difference though? Why isn't it translating into wins? What's the difference between these three games, uh, and, and what he was doing last year? Well, I think, I think it takes some time to get, to get back from an ACL injury. I mean, that, that's sort of an underrated factor in, in, in health in general. And Deshaun Watson had, you know, who's another guy who's coming back from an ACL injury, had done this before and also suffered the ACL, ACL injury much earlier. So I think that that's a, that's a benefit for him. Um, with, with, with Carson Wentz, you know, I don't think the offensive line has been protecting the same way that it was in um in in uh in, in twenty in twenty seventeen and that's been a problem. You see that sacked on nine percent of his dropbacks. That's the sixth highest in the NFL. Um and, and you know, he's holding on to the ball a little bit longer, maybe a little bit more tentative, not getting the same separation from his wide receivers that maybe he was um in, in twenty seventeen either. I mean it feels like most of this Eagles offense is Carson Wentz looking, 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 not having something, and then throwing a, uh, you know, a, a, like a, a longer check down to, to Zach Ertz across the middle. Alshon Jeffrey coming back has been a big boon for the Eagles offense, but they just haven't found their rhythm either. And I, I honestly, I think this will sound weird. I think they missed LeGarrette Blunt, sort of this, this hammer who could pick up the short yardage play and be this physical running back. And, and now without Jay Ajayi, they don't really have that, that option. And so I think they probably need to look elsewhere to try and find a, a running back. Yeah, does it make sense to potentially pursue Le'Veon Bell or LaShawn McCoy? We, we've heard kind of rumors of that. Maybe there's a reunion there in Philly. You know, yeah, I, th- I think it does. You know, who the the other guy that might make a lot of sense, it might be a lot cheaper, is Jordan Howard with the Chicago Bears. Um, we've seen him in the last game, and I think it'll be a hold true against Miami this week. I know I heard you guys talk about that game. I think that they're going to try and revolve the offense around Tariq Cohen. I know he's not a feature back per se, but I think he does what Matt Nagy likes in terms of giving them matchups that they can operate with and, and give Mitchell Trubisky easier reads because of how they can line up guys all around the field. So I wouldn't be surprised if Jordan Howard was a name that was on the trade block, but any one of those three guys would make sense. I mean, uh, certainly McCoy and Le'Veon Bell would be excellent pass-catching backs. Bell is a great uh, you know, pass blocker. And let's not forget, 
they got Jay Ajayi in a midseason trade last year and it helped, they went on to win a Super Bowl. So I don't think it would be certainly out of the realm of possibility for Howie Roseman to want to make a deal for a star running back in midseason. Uh, good stuff, Will. Thanks for joining us. That's Will Brinson. He's the CBS Sports senior NFL writer, host of the Picks 6 podcast. It's released every morning, Monday through Friday. You can download and subscribe to hear Will and a slew of other uh, NFL guests. Coming up after this break, we're going to get to some NBA preseason awards. Ooh. I picked mine. If you'd like to do so in the break, feel free. Uh, we'll ch- chop all that up uh, up next on Off the Bench with Canelo Bell. Where was the leftover sound? We had the graphic. There was no sound? All right. It doesn't matter. Um, anyway, let's get to it. How much time we got? We got about six minutes. It's right? technical. Yeah. technical. Let's get to uh, some NBA preseason awards. We kind of teased it off the top. And so, um, you know, you got your – do you want to go first? Can I – Can I? what do you What do you think for MVP? I mean, it, it's hard to ever pick against yeah. LeBron. Right. Right. And then KD, I would imagine, like, those two are the favorites. But I, I think you've got someone else. Yeah, I got Giannis. Um and the only reason I have Ooh, Giannis Davis is up there. All right. Yeah, it's because I think like the Bucks are a team that should have been they should have been breaking through in the Eastern Conference before this year. But I think adding Mike Budenholzer um, and then subtracting Jabari Parker from the equation is going to help them get over the hump. And it's not a shot at Jabari um, because Jabari's a heck of a player, and I think yeah. he'll help Chicago. But there was a little power struggle from people within the organization that I've spoken to about who was going to be that alpha there. Like Jabari, you know, had been drafted highly out of Duke and yeah. had the knee surgeries. Giannis, it's clearly his team now. Budenholzer is going to help them take the next step in the Eastern Conference. And Giannis had this whole area of, of offensive skill set untapped, which was his jump shot, right? Like he was just fantastic off the bounce, facilitating around the rim. And, and we were already talking about MVP. If he rounds it out with the jump shot and they take another step in the Eastern Conference, I think he's a wrap for the MVP. Doesn't the MVP though ultimately come down to as good as he has to play, there still has to be some team success. Like I'm trying to think yes. of the last example we can remember of a guy who just was ridiculously as, as far as his performance, but his team didn't get to the playoffs or they weren't as impactful in the playoff. I mean, Russell Westbrook's the first that comes to mind, but OKC was competitive in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think they will be. And that, it's a good point, but I think when you take the Celtics, I mean, did they even get to the Eastern Conference Finals? I, possibly. I know it's a regular season no. award, but I'm just saying, like, Possibly I always though. think in the back of my the, mind, like, the East is wide open. You pencil Boston in, anything after that's crapshoot. Like, yeah. Philadelphia, yes, in theory, with Embiid and... I think Toronto, Philly, like... It's Toronto as well, but, like, these are all chemistry experiments, right? right. These are all, you've sprinkled in huge new pieces. Um, for Philly, it hasn't been your stars, but it's been your, 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 the people that kind of, uh, make up you know, the shooting and the, the yeah. depth, that's a big, that's a big change. And for obviously Toronto, uh, adding Kawhi is a big change. So that's all, you know, that's all to be determined kind of. Milwaukee's coming in basically with the same roster. You're adding a, a veteran proven, like, uh, they, he led the Atlanta, Atlanta Hawks to like the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. So Boonholzer's really good. So I think they'll have enough success that if he has, a season that I think he'll have that he should be able to command that award. That's right. just I like the odds. I'll say that much. Yeah, yeah, you take a little value there. Um, so for rookie of the year, I took Grayson Allen. <laughs> really? Yeah, I took Grayson Allen. Come Believe on, that. man. I like Grayson Allen. Like he's a I, good player. I know that like what he did in terms of like the the, the extracurriculars isn't a celebrated thing in college basketball. They're gonna love him in the pros. Yeah. Like none of that stuff matters in the pros. Like his teammates are gonna be fully embrace that, and his skill set is one that I think translates to the pros probably better than college ball. Like he, 
He's a good all-around player. He's a very good all-around player. He can run some pick and roll. He can shoot the ball. He can facilitate a little bit. He is today's combo guard. Yeah. Not really a point, not necessarily a two, but can do all. And, and he's built for it. Like, he's got this nastiness, like this element of, like, F you that you kind of have to have. And in a market like Utah, yeah. where it's always them against the world, I think he's going to thrive. I think he's going to have a really good year. I think he'll have a good year. I just I don't see him as being, like, rookie of the year. Yeah. I, I, I like the pick. Yeah. Odds are good. Kevin Knox was the player like we were kind of talking about. I just think he's going to get a lot of opportunities in New York. I mean, it's Porzingis. You were talking about Ian Skander. I, I didn't realize Skander shoots as much as you're like, yeah. Skander shoots a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Tim Hardaway Jr. as well, but he doesn't have as much competition in my mind as right. far as why I would select him at, at being a potential rookie of the year. No, I took a swing at Grayson Allen, obviously. I mean, because yeah. you've got names like DeAndre. I like you. You, no, got, you got DeAndre Ayton. You got um, Marcus Bagley third. You got Luca. Like, all those guys are names. Uh, Trey Young, who hit a huge uh, buzzer beater. Did you see that? A huge buzzer beater. I didn't. Like, 35 feet last night. It was stupid. That's what he does. Um, yeah, it was crazy. 35, I'm probably not even doing it justice. But uh, I took a swing, but I do like Grayson Allen. I think he'll be a good player there in Utah. Um, and then for defensive player of the year, I went with like the proven commodity, Kawhi Leonard. I just think he, he's going to have something to prove. Who else would even be in competition? I, dude, I, I mean, you'll have uh, Anthony Davis. You'll probably have Draymond Green. You'll have... Um, um, what's the center's name? Rudy Gobert, DeAndre Jordan. Uh, these are all names like, you know, for rim protection and rebounding. But I think in, as far as two-way players go, obviously you're talking about well, as good as you cream the crop, right? Yeah. Um, then uh, I guess uh, for six man of the year, another Lou Williams. Lou Williams. Like, I, I don't even know. It's kind of a layup. I, I mean, pun intended, but like that, that's kind of a layup. Dude. And who are six men? Like, I don't even know half the six men in the NBA, so I can't. I got killed on this one. If Lonzo Ball ends up not being a starter at some point, maybe it's an interesting name. Yeah, but to the point, like, like six men are sometimes in flux. Like, you don't know if he's yeah. gonna be the six man until he's like season rolls. Well, and, and he might start, you know, after twenty games. What do you think about my coach of the year with Luke Walton? I mean, I think to your point, if he can make it all work in LA, and and as much as I mean, and you know, LeBron, you were you were in Cleveland with him, um, so you you get that side of things. I don't know how difficult it is to deal with like him or his camp. <laughs> so if he can get that to work with the ball family, that whole situation yeah. combined with like the LA Lakers and like that organization, I just feel like there's a lot of moving parts. If, if I, I guess I just, I want to know what, what do they need to get to? Yeah. Do, do they need to get to the playoffs? Is it winning in the playoffs in yeah. order for him to be considered? You that? certainly have to get to the second round of the playoffs to, for that to be successful enough, uh, to warrant getting that. But he does. So for all those reasons, if he can navigate him, Coach of the Year. And then this one I want to get to because uh, one of our producers, Debo, Markel Fultz, we've talked about him a lot. Yeah. He's my most improved player. Really? Um, I like what I see from Markel Fultz just because he looks like he's not thinking about it anymore. He looks confident. He looks like he's back to the guy that we saw at Washington when they drafted him number one overall. Last year, it looked like he was in his own head. You can't do that, play basketball. you got to be free. Just go out there and let it happen. He looks like he's back to that. So uh, he's going to be my most improved player, and I really hope he is.